Insight and Awareness Spiritual Explorer. Soul Intuitive, Emotional and Spiritual Mentor and Award-winning Author, Lorraine Nylon. Welcome explorers and thank you for being part of the adventure. Today our guest is Judy Wilkins-Smith who is a highly regarded family pattern expert and the author of Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, A Powerful Guide to Transformation Through Disentangling Multi-Generational Patterns. Now that's a lot to talk about, Judy. (laughs) It is a lot. It's a mouthful and it's pretty basic actually. Right. Can you explain to us what your book, if we read your book, what are we going to come away with and why did you write it? Okay, so let's start with the second question and then remind me of the first one when I finished I will. that. I wrote it because people kept nagging me to write it. I had no intention of writing it. I had done systemic work in family constellations for quite a while and I do a lot of executive coaching, so I work with C-suite. And um, they kept saying to me, you've got to write the book, you've got to write the book. And eventually I wrote a little booklet that turned into a book that then found an agent and a home with Sounds True, who I love to bits, and that's how the book was written. And interestingly enough, it taught me a lot because it happened. Sounds True said, all right, we, we want to commission you to write the book. And the very next day they said to me, your mother has cancer. And it was, oh, no. it was really a piece of dropping into learning that life happens. It's not, mm. there's not going to be a perfect moment to do something. And mm. it turned out really helpful, not just disciplinarian, but it stages a distraction and a place to go and really sit and be. So that's how it came into being. It was also a question of uh, family, family systems work in constant or systemic work in constellations. People sometimes will say, is that a bit woo woo? It's, it's not. But one of my missions with it was to really do two things, demystify it and at the same time show that when we demystify it, it doesn't mean you lose transformation. It means you gain access to transformation. It doesn't make it so far-fetched that we can't do something with it. We can't use it. So it was really a practical way of saying to people, if you want to change your life, it's not just a nice idea. It's a reality. Here's how you do it. And so what I did was I wrote it in such a way that it didn't matter if you knew what family constellations were, you would be able to pick up the book, you would understand your family history, whether you know your family or not, and you would understand why events in your history are incredibly important and how you could use them to move past your history and into writing a chapter that only you can write. So when you're saying family constellations, can you explain that for us? What what do you Absolutely. actually mean? Yeah. So systemic work and, and family constellations. Systemic work is the study of you within a system. You didn't just happen upon Mother Earth. You came from a long line of ancestors. And with each line of ancestors have been sayings, feelings, thoughts, events, and events that have created epigenetic impacts. So you've, you've had those coming at you from two angles, one from the epigenetic impact and the other from all of those thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so I teach emotional DNA, which is you don't just inherit your physical DNA, you also inherit your emotional DNA, your patterns of thoughts, feelings, and actions. 
So that's you in the system. Constellation. So oh, sorry, can I just jump in there? Is that so? I'm under the impression when people do iridology, it goes back three generations. Sure. So, so how far back do you think what you're talking about, the emotional DNA? How how many generations back are we talking? As many as you can trace. What we know is when you do a constellation, yeah. you can see it uh, back. I, I believe, sort of about seven generations is the max that I think they go to. I would say if we sat down, though, with your genealogy, which is another piece or another intersection for us, that you would find that it goes further back. In fact, I know it does because if there's a TV series here called Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah, we have that as well. Great. So we had Brooke Shields on one of those, and, and she said they always thought she was uppity because she wanted to speak French. She was fascinated with French. And uh, her family would tease her. When she did her genealogy, it goes back to Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, so, right. There it sits. And, yeah. and I think this is something that we don't understand is how important the events and our history are. We use our history very often to suffer instead of to prosper. And um, that's one of the big myths to break. So, yes, it goes back about seven generations. And a constellation then is the 3D depiction of your issue, whatever your issue is that you bring to the table. Maybe mm -hmm. you struggle with anger, maybe you struggle with money or relationships, whatever it is, and you want to look at that. We actually set it out, and I do this in, in my live events, um, you set it out using live representatives. So you might come to me with an issue and I, I would say to you, okay, I've listened. Pick someone for your mom, someone for your dad, someone for you, someone maybe for money, someone for your siblings, and I want you to place them for me the way that it feels accurate for you. Now, as you place them, you're already going to have feelings, but then when you stand back and look, you've now got a 3D version of what you're carrying inside your head. And okay. the minute you put it in front of you, you can now see it, you can hear it, you can touch it, you can walk through it, you can talk about it. And so now you start making different connections in the brain and the body, and you experience an embodied transition. So you may, you may start at one place and finish in another, and what's happening is that neuroscientifically or neurologically, you're also rewiring your brain and your body in real time. And so you see people have these big aha moments and big jumps. You can see it uh, viscerally, and they will say, I don't think I'm will ever be the same again. And no, you're not, because we know that one new thought, one new feeling, one new action, and you're now in a different paradigm already. Yeah. Keep adding on to that, and you're going to move from where you were to what's possible. And so the family, instead of being this burden, your family system becomes a whole system of clues and portals to possibility. Well, that's, that's fascinating, actually, because I... Uh, when I work with clients, sometimes on a whiteboard, I map out their belief systems so that they right. can actually see it. Right? This takes you to, from this point to this point. Exactly. And I work on the principle that once your awareness is brought to something, then you can see it. Once you can see it, you can then start making conscious choices about it. Because a lot exactly. of the time our emotional stuff is so buried or suppressed, right. or we're acting it out, but, but we're not sure of the motives, we're not sure of the belief systems or the fears that are fueling it. But if you can get to that level, 
Yeah. Exactly. Or where it came from and if it even belongs to us. Many times what's happening is those patterns have come all the way down to us because they're asking us to see them, to give them their place in the system, and to let them rest and use them as wisdom so we can do something different. So very often these are inherited patterns asking for a reinvention. What was a solution in one generation can become a problem in this generation. And True. very often we are we are reliving ancient history. We're not present and we're not even creating our own unique future. Yeah, that's interesting. And we we do work from patterns. Once you can identify a pattern, you can see how it's working in your life. So that's really, for me, that's what evolution is, is that you're identifying a pattern and then working out how to transform it to your own unique, really the essence of expressing your own truth, not impacted by all these different influences that we have. Well, the fascinating part about that is that very often what looks like a train smash that you're coming to deal with is actually just trying to open the gift for you. So the pattern trying to stop is sitting right next to the pattern trying to start. And the train smash is sitting right next to your purpose. So if you've got someone who comes from generations of depression, your purpose may may well be joy. Your purpose may be um, to go and, and show positivity. It sits right there. It's in your language. It's in your thoughts. It's in your feelings. So imagine Now, with them seeing it on a whiteboard, and now you've got it with live representatives, and they can see it, they can touch it, they can talk to it, they can test it, they can re-speak to it, and it starts to accelerate that whole process. Yeah, and do you think that's why, I know technology has helped us, but why we're so fascinated with our ancestry now, you know, I mean, there's a big surge on tracking it down, and it's fascinating when... when, um, we cleared out my mother's place after she died. We found a family tree that was written for her her sister, and and when we went, we went. It goes right back to Rollo the Viking, and we come forward, and then we're William the Conqueror, which apparently was a real asshole, you know. Like so, so they've got little bits of information. About <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, don't brag about that one. So, and, you know, it goes right, right, right through and you can, and you can see the names, you know, like the, the names that have continued through the diff, different generations of family. So it's, it's quite yeah, fascinating. So, so you asked about the genealogy and the answer to that is absolutely yes. And so I have a, a whole piece coming out within the next couple of months okay. about genealogy because we have genealogy point one. And mm-hmm. then there's genealogy 2.0 and genealogy 3.0. And, and that's what I'm, I'm working with. We Just knowing who you or where you belong is only the very, very first part of the whole puzzle. But once you understand how systems work and you understand the language of systems, which, by the way, is in the book, and you understand the patterns, you then also understand why it's super important to go and look for the events in your genealogy because they're going to color how you've got to be you. And so genealogy is way more important than we ever imagined. Right. Well, that's fascinating. So where do you sit between genealogy and, and past lives? Do you? Uh, I will tell you this. I don't know. But what I'll tell you what mm-hmm. I do know is that um, 
whether we incarnate, reincarnate or not, patterns certainly do. Right, okay. Anytime yeah. you exclude someone or something, it creates a pattern that expands and repeats because one of the rules in systems is anything you exclude is going to create a pattern that expands and repeats and it will keep seeking its place through subsequent members of the family. So nothing likes to be excluded. And the minute you re-member it into the family system, you no longer need to carry the baggage that you've been carrying. You've given it its place and now you're free to do something different. So can you give an example of something that's been excluded and how that's played out? Sure. So uh, let's go back to um, a client who comes in and says to me, I really, really want to do better with money, but oh, I'm scared of money. I mean, that's a, you know, ooh, I can't even look at it. And I go, but I am looking at it and I want to do it. And I know my dad couldn't really look at it and he struggled. And I say, tell me about your grandfather. He says, oh, no, that was a taboo subject in, in the family system. You just didn't speak about it. It was bad. It was wrong. And, and if you relied on money, you were just going to be ruined. So I said, well, tell me about great-grandfather. He had a whole bunch and then he lost it. And yes. there's the story. There's the story. So the main story. And we never talk about great-grandfather again. Mm. Then grandfather won't even talk about money because it's it's such a bad thing and look what happened in the family. Father's a little bit inquisitive, but uh, and now we've got the client going, but I really want to like money. And so what he's doing is he's becoming the new solution. When he can look at his great-grandfather when we've got him represented and say, hey, that pattern happened to you and I see how it happened, watch me when I do it differently and I can take from you the lessons of being careful about putting all your eggs in one basket, about um, being ruined and excluded and be really mindful of that. We've then taken the pattern and now he can turn around and say to money, hey, can we be friends? And by the way, money is a big, big love of mine because it's very badly misunderstood and it is not a commodity. It is a relationship. Yeah. Actually, I had uh, Ken Honda on the um, podcast a couple of weeks ago and he talks about your relationship with money. And yeah. we, don't, we don't think about it, but it, we, we, we all have a relationship with money. We do. And I have a whole chapter devoted to that because... I realized that from very young I'd, I'd loved it and then gotten to mistrust it. And then, of course, the it's either love or money. You can have this or money. It's always a all money. And um, I started looking at that and thought, this is, this is not right. And I went for a, a money walk. And I think that's in the book, but it was a remarkable walk. And I teach people to do that. And honestly, the way you show up for money is the way it's going to show up for you. And the way it shows up for your ancestors is the way it will show up for you until you choose differently. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we can really be the pattern breakers if we um, apply ourselves. You're the change agents. We're definitely, when we choose, when mm. we choose. We are the change agents. We keep thinking we're not a choice. It's all happening at us or to us. No, it's not. You are the change agent. What you've got to do, and I think it's also in the book, is I tell people you really need to set goals for, for whatever it is, relationships, money, whatever it is. You've got to set goals or dreams that are yeah. big enough 
that they're more exciting than where you are now. Because if you choose ones that are big enough and you really invest in them, they're going to pull you past all of your excuses that you've had and into the world that you want. And if you've done it once, you begin to build that winner effect into your brain, you will do it again and again and again. Well, that's hopeful, isn't it? For a lot of people that are struggling with the patterns that they've got and they're not recognising them. So what, what do you think is a starting point for someone who's struggling? You know, that, that, that know they come from a history of, especially like, you know, um, abuse and and sure. and all the rest of it. So, and that, that, that a lot of them, sorry, stuttering, a lot of them are actually struggling with the thought that they could carry it forward. Sure. Yeah. So, so there are a couple of things. One is first to recognize it's not yours. Yes, yeah. you're in the middle of it, but it's come from a lot of generations. Second is to recognize that you're the great hope. You're the one who can change it. And it's literally by writing down thoughts, feelings, and actions, and then beginning to write down not just your thoughts, feelings, and actions around what you have, but your thoughts, feelings, and actions around what it is that you want. And okay. then migrating from the one to the other. Just It doesn't have to be the whole elephant at once, but doing that thoughtfully and and mindfully and persistently because we tend to do something once and go well that didn't work I give up uh-uh no you've got to be very clear about what your theoretical end point is because as you get there you'll find it expands yeah. but you've got to be, and you've got to be excited or determined to do that and that will pull you there you are not stuck right which which a lot of people have that belief system that they are stuck in whatever they're experiencing, nothing's going to change. And I think that's why it's important to to look at things like spirituality, transformation, sure. self-development, any of those things that are going to get you really looking at yourself. Because I don't think that you can do any of any any type of work that I've, you know, talked to a lot of people. You can't do any type of that work unless you're willing to be self-reflective and really get honest. Yeah, you've got yeah. to be willing to look. In in systemic work and constellations, we say, until you can acknowledge what is exactly the way that it is, without wishing it were different, you don't move. Yeah. So one of the questions, which, which is one of our listeners, asked me to ask you when she found out that you were coming on, is if you're in a family collective and you're trying to move, but the others are not. They're saying stuck in their stuff. And she and she was referring to, say, a husband stuck in his stuff and right. she's trying to move in her stuff. How do the two family collectives and patterns, is it, are they brought together to flag up each other's stuff? What's your view on how all this works? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The universe and systems are very elegant creatures. They put us together with people who will take us to our deepest wounds and our mm. greatest possibilities. Yeah. And for your person who asked that, one of the things to know is, and I see this at my live events all the time, people will come in and say, my, my family is never going to go for this stuff. I'm willing to be here, but they're not going to go for it. And within the course of about a year or two years, I see them come sneaking in the side, and sneaking <laughs> in the back. <laughs> All it takes is one person to shift. 
and the rest can no longer relate the same way. You've changed the pattern. Yeah, yeah. And you do, that's one of the things too, is when you are shifting and moving yourself, you're changing the dynamics of how you're relating to people around you. Absolutely. Yeah, your awareness is heightened. So things that you didn't notice before or you didn't know how to process potentially are now in your face or you're now watching somebody else's pattern because you understand your patterns better. Right. Yeah, you can you can read people better once you understand yourself better. Well, and, yeah, and the lovely thing about, uh, again, the live events that I do is if you come in, I, and I have this all the time, people will say, well, I came in for my piece of work and you did X number of constellations and I got something from every single one of those pieces. How is that possible? Well, you tuned into other people's systems. This is the other piece with constellations that's fascinating, is in a constellation you're literally making the invisible visible and the unconscious conscious. Yep. And so it's the first time that, that people have been able to see that. And then I ask them to represent for, for someone else and they go, it's not possible that I can sense into someone else's system. And I go, hold on, have you watched America's Got Talent or Australia's Got Talent or whatever it is? If you watch that and you watch somebody suddenly hit their stride and you get goosebumps, Mm. sensed into their system we're doing it all day long we've just never been taught that that's what we're doing yeah see I my registered trademark is a soul intuitive and and you're actually explaining what I do is I tap into someone's system and I can read read their energy and I always say to people we all do it I'm just telling you that I'm doing it and I might do it a little bit refined and on steroids because I've I've consciously trained and and experimented and really dealt right. with you know what it is that I'm reading, but you f- you first up have to decipher what's your energy and what's somebody else's, and you need yeah, to know the difference. Yes, do. And yeah. and this is the interesting piece with constellations is as you set it up, that system comes to life, mm. and and so you will. I have had people who said to me, "I can't. It's too close." And so then we'll we'll put in another representative, but most people will take it on very accurately. And I have a client to look at me and go, what? How did they know how to say that? Or how did they know where to move? That's exactly what my mother would do. Well, we're quite capable of it. We've just never been taught yeah. that that's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. reading each other's energy all the time. All the time. Yeah. Constantly. We just don't. About 90% of our communication is nonverbal. Uh, very much, very yeah. much. You walk into a room and you see somebody, you go, oh, I'm going to go and talk to them. Or you walk in and go, uh-oh, I think I'll just be quiet here. And that's exactly what we're doing. And then we think it's woo-woo, but it's really not because it's what we're doing all day long anyway. Yeah, and I always use the example, you know when you walk into a room and you think expressions like cut the air with a knife or the elephant oh, yes. in the room. I said we've got these little sayings to explain what we're reading. But, it, yeah, it's fascinating. We know we're doing it, but we were taught that to not, you know, yeah. we don't say that stuff, but yeah. we know very well. I have um, CEOs or CFOs who will say to me, um, we're not doing that woo-woo stuff, and then I ask them a question. I say, okay, so tell me something. How do you know that that answer we've just gotten to is the right one? They go, I can feel it in my gut. No, that's awfully woo-woo. And they go, <laughs> Well, it's just understanding, isn't it? But we are we are definitely branching more out. You know, like I started doing what I do, you know, 
30 years ago and people found it very woo-woo. But right. it, you know, And a lot of people say, oh, you're just reading body language. Okay. You know, like, okay, that's Whatever part of it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Do you understand it? Do you understand it? So, But it is breaking down the patterns. I think one of the most important things we can do this lifetime is really look at our emotional patterns and ask yourself if they're serving you or if they're harming you, if they're oppressing you, making you feel smaller than who you actually are, and and then embrace the uniqueness of who you are, which is easier said than done. Right. And if they are making you feel smaller than you are, who do they belong to? They may not be your thoughts and feelings at all. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I get that. The other problem I can see is a, with that is that people can then bypass that they're, they're part of it. You know, if you're oh, acting okay. in, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, she likes this question. <laughs> yes, she likes this question because <laughs> she's on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Often people say to me, oh, so it's all my mother's fault. No, 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 not so fast. Your mother did what your mother did. It's hmm. not your fault and it's not her fault, but it is your responsibility to go and do something with that. So, yeah. so could you yeah. bypass people, <laughs> we don't do that. No, don't do that. Because a lot of people, because we're frightened of our emotions, you know, and people, and people hide from them. So I can see that, I could see you, you meet a lot of people that would do that. Sometimes things start for a reason. And then you end up indoctrinated into that and then it's your responsibility to resolve the indoctrinations. You don't have to blame yourself for the start of it. You have to take the responsibility for breaking the pattern. And the responsibility, by the way, is a lot of fun because the minute that you take that responsibility, you're on an adventure. Don't forget you're on an adventure. Yeah. It's everything in your family system, whether you know it or not, and everything in your life is part of an adventure. And when we learn to look at it that way, we see things as clues instead of watch-outs and warnings and trip-ups and traps. They're not. They're clues. Yeah. I always say to people, if you if you feel like you emotionally want to run, that's the time to stop and look exactly. at it because you've just found something that you don't even know you're looking for. And, yeah. You're, so, you're right. So what do you think, I'm going to ask you the big question that we have, what do you think humanity needs to acknowledge and understand for us to evolve? For me, I think it's that for as long as we hold ourselves in any form of victimhood, we're going to stay blind. It's when you look at what's happening to you and for you that you start to shift. It's when you stop blaming and shaming either anyone else or yourself and you start being part of a solution. And then it's when you you agree to go on an adventure. We are given so many opportunities to do that. It's time we stop pretending that we were smaller than we are. Yeah, I love that answer. And it is that adventure. You know, like if you're willing to explore yourself, you've got you will be fascinated by what what you know but you don't or you don't know you know it yet because you haven't been able to put it in a language that you understand yet but you're living exactly. it exactly exactly yeah. you'll be fascinated to find out how you and your inheritance are affecting every single part of your life and at how the universe speaks to you and how it's trying to get your attention, and so is your family system. It's going, move, you know, we, we often think, I shouldn't get 
too big because that's going to upset my family. You should get as big as you possibly can because it's going to grow your family. Mm. Yeah. Well, I always think, you know, you're walking a path and and if, if and if you walk it with integrity and you walk it with a sense of understanding yourself, you're clearing the jungle. So that's got to make it easier for the next person walking behind you. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you and if you are willing to be big, because people are afraid of being big, and big is different things for different people. But if you were given a life, push it as far and as hard and as high and as happy as you possibly can. You have everything you need to do that. Everything. And I know people will say, I don't have the money. Uh, No, but you've got the money DNA. And if you look at your money DNA and you start shifting your money DNA, you've got everything you need. Brilliant. All right. Good advice for all of us. So when people are falling into their victimhood, because I always see it like a roller coaster, you know, like even people that are on the adventure and they're really exploring the truth of themselves, you are going to hit those those troughs in the journey where you come down and you've got to so that you can find your stuff. You've got to be, you know, you, it's not theory. You've got to sort of really experience it and understand it for, for it to shift. So what's your advice for them when they are falling into that victimhood? A couple of things. Number one is I'm sure that all of them, or if not all of them, most of them, either play a game on their smartphone or they play video games. And I always say to people, okay, so when you fail a level, what do you do? I do it again. And then what do you do? I do it again. Well, what happens if you (laughs) fail it five times? I'm doing it again. Why? Because I want to get to the next level. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. It's that simple and you also have um funny enough and and sorry i'm going to jump in there and don't do exactly what you did last time thinking you're going to get a different answer right i could not agree more so um, i'm actually teaching as well about um those two aspects your little trash talks and your inner champions Mm. i'm teaching at a disney world in in november along with money dna um, but and and with those, it's really to find what is it when you are super stuck, because we all have them. What is the one thing that gets you moving again? Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Somebody told me, uh, what did they say? Oh, I, I reach for a soda, and I, I said to them, "You reach for a soda? Yeah, it puts just enough distance between where I'm stuck and my hand that I can take a breath, and then I can go." And I went, "Okay, if that's what it is, do that." If, it, if you've got a saying, mine is yeah. always, come on, you can figure this out. Yeah. Well, one of the other guests, um, Corbin, his saying was on to the next thing. Exactly oh. the same. It's, it's you. We all have those mechanisms. I Mine came from doing manuals because I do manuals for every single event that I, I have so that people have got that when they go. And I think the first three or four, I didn't even sweat blood. I was way beyond blood. I don't know what I was sweating, but (laughs) because I kept saying, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And I got to about number four or five, and and a lot of people had said to me, these are really good manuals. We get to take them home. We get to use them again. And eventually I looked at myself and I went, okay, just stop. You don't get to keep saying you don't know what you're doing. And so my switch was, I can figure it out. What am I going yeah. to teach? I don't know, but I can figure it out. And I think that's become part of my, my 
when I'm stuck. Okay, quit. Are you going to sit there or are you going to figure it out? Because we have two options here. I love that. That's brilliant. And do you think that people are falling more into their victimhood than ever before or we're, we're just more aware of it? No, I think I think they are, um, and there's there's a whole lot to say about that. I think they are because social media has glamorized, sanitized, sanctified, and monetized it. Mm-hmm. So it's great to be a victim in this day and age. You can get paid for that. The problem is when you get to the other end of that payment, it doesn't feel so good, and you haven't grown, and now you've wasted a whole lot of time, and you cannot expect someone else's history to now compensate you in your time because of something that happened in their history. It's up to the two currents to do something different. So uh, there I, are lessons. Yeah, yeah there are I lessons love that. To learn. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that is so important to get because we are becoming very inundated with this, the, the wounded story, the broken story, and then I've come from there to great heights to a point that one lady said, oh, you can't be successful unless you really, you know, had a complete emotional breakdown, been sexually abused, or you are a victim of domestic violence. And I was like, what is that? That, that is, that is about true because what she's referring to is a meta pattern and it, it actually sits right with money DNA. In order to feel good about money, which is a really backwards way of thinking about it, in order to be able to say I have money, I've got to prove that I've suffered enough to get there so that nobody's going to chew me up because I have money, which is the most backward way of of thinking that I've ever heard. But that's what we do. But there's another piece. There are three basic principles in all living systems. Balance of give and receive, order and belonging. And Mm. this particular little victim piece allows us to feel like we belong. Well, if so-and-so, who's a great big film star, struggled, see, it's glamorous for me too. And I'm like, come on, people. Yeah. And I think that give and receive is actually a really important thing because I'm I'm looking in different places that I'm looking in now where, well, as, as, as it's been referred, the spiritual industry is heading to is that most, a lot of people I find now, their first question is, what are you going to do for me? And, I'll, and I'm like, aren't you trying to, you know, impart some wisdom for people to help them along their journey? Why is that your first protocol? What are you going to do for me? What do you bring to my table? And I find it very in conflict to their actual brand. You know, it was like, well, hang on, yeah. And I find that confusing. I I actually do sort of get very confused with it because I can't see how that becomes part of the evolutionary process. I think that maybe what what, what they're trying to ask is how do we work together for a greater good or how, how can we collaborate for something bigger? What are you going to do for me? I think I think the collaboration, that's a different thing. You can tell when someone wants to join, it's like what you said, have two connections together and that you're both bringing a, a respect for one another and that you're really interested in exploring where the relationship, friendship, partnership, whatever it is, can go. That's collaboration. You cannot get anything better than collaboration because you're working together. 
right about, you know and, and you identify each other's weaknesses and strengths and but the key element to collaboration is that you feel supported which is very different to when people want to work with you but they want to take and give nothing back and I think that creates such an imbalance that someone's always going to leave feeling like they've been used manipulated and we're in a we're in a world of full of narcissistic you know traits and behaviors and that's all they do is take so it, it, we and you know when you pointed out that we've we need that giving and receiving to create the balance. I think that's such an important point, especially in the spiritual industry, is that we, uh, you know, we need to give and take, you know, even with your clients and all the rest of it. It's an exchange. It's not, you're, you're, you're not working for them, you're working with them. We should be. And the client's working with you as well. Like it, So it's an, a beautiful exchange, not a not a take. It's just something that I'm starting to see because um, I, I deal a lot with narcissistic abuse as well. Right. So, you know, I mean, that's what I'm aware of and and um, I've done a lot of work with childhood sexual abuse victims as well. So, you know, like I'm very aware of the indifference that comes in, that people can become very indifferent to the the people that they're in relationships or um, collaborate, well, it's pre- meant to be collaborations but often end up being competition and as you would know in the corporate world that you know within an within your own team that's a recipe for disaster absolutely um i think again if i'd listened to it if i were to i would guess they're saying what part of the puzzle do you play for me but you've got to ask yourself, what part of the puzzle do I play for you? I know that with, with my team, like the team who brought you to me, me to you, or you yeah. to me, um, we sit down and we talk quite a bit. It's who's doing what, who's who's got what part of the puzzle. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, co- that's collaboration. That's working together. That's a team. That's a very that's a that's a healthy team. So yeah, and your team and your team's very efficient. You know what I mean? Like you can tell by the way they respond to different things. I have the loveliest, loveliest team. Yeah. And by the way, one of my my people um, who work with me on my my website is a lady who's in Melbourne. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. and her name is Melissa Melissa Hames, and I'm going to do shout out to her because she is for anybody who needs someone who's authentic, integrous. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She really is, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when when we're moving forward with our transformation and we're moving from where we've been to where we want to go, what are the kind of things that we need to be aware of? What are some tips um, that can help us? Sure. So, again, I would go back to your thoughts, feelings, and actions around any particular subject. I would say if you're looking for your places of growth, Mm-hmm. You identified one beautifully. It's that place where you want to run away. Yeah. Um, another yeah. one is when you're dogmatic. Oh, yes. If you're really dogmatic about something, you want to stop and take a look because the chances are you're protecting something that, that isn't being fully looked at or you think you're taking care of something that may not be yours to take care of or you're afraid to move forward. So that's another one. Um, places where we feel hopeless, mm-hmm. places where we have great wishes but don't do anything about it. Go and look at your wishes. Those wishes are not just 
nice little airy fairy things. They're, they're the soul calling and saying, you can do this, you can do this. And it may not be the exact version of what, what it is that you hear, but if you pay attention, it's going to pull you past stuck. Um, so those are the things that I would pay attention to. I would also very much pay attention to, to your language. We're tattling mm. on ourselves and we're tattling on our, our family systems all day long. Mm. I had um, a lady who came in and said to me, first time I met her, oh, my goodness, this was an absolute catastrophe. I was almost eviscerated and decimated. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it was cooking over. And I said to her, what happened? And she said, oh, well, I was a little bit late and I almost missed a stop street. And my boss was annoyed. And I went, wait, wait, wait. Those two don't fit. So I said to her, is there a disaster in your family with these big burning? And she said, no. Oh, yes. When I was five years old, my mother and I outran a volcano. My father and brother did not. And it was oh. all in her language. So yeah. pay attention to your language. And yeah. pay attention to things that pop up with themes all around you. They're there for a reason. It's not just a nice little synchronicity. There's a reason it's trying to get your attention. I think that's very good advice. And I think the other thing too is be very careful about ruminating, you know, where you're creating. You start off with a an event and then you start creating scenarios that come off those events and you'll all generally find that it goes off to the, the negative and the darkness. Yeah, pull, pull that up, you know. Pull those, pull those. They're not, they're not serving you. That's putting you on a merry-go-round. All you're going to do is go round. So, yeah, yeah it's not fun. It's, it's called foot in the brake, foot in the accelerator, foot in the brake, foot in the accelerator. <laughs> round and round and round we go. Where we stop is exactly where we started. Yeah, that's, yes, that's right. You might, like you said, you just lose time, which we all do. And if you're doing it, don't beat yourself up about it, but be aware of it, and then start processing. Acknowledge. Start with acknowledgement. And then, then work towards understanding it Yeah, you whatever know, form works a, for you. There's a lovely thing that I ask people about that because we all do it. Do you watch horror movies? No, not really. But you tell yourself horror stories all day long that you believe. Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> yes, it's so true. Well, I think it's time for, for Flip the Book. So would you like book one? Two or three? Three. Three. That's your Insight and Awareness book. It's a big book, so you've got one to 430 pages to pick from. Oh, I love it. So I can pick any page I want. For some very odd reason, I'm going to say page 391. Brilliant. And you have one, two, three, four paragraphs to pick from. Paragraph four. Okay. Your barriers to truth distort your awareness of the reality of your unresolved emotions you use to construct an illusion that you can control your evolution. You do this while attempting to conceal your indifference to truth, justifying your distorted perception of truth, evolution and yourself. This is how you enable yourself to remain unconscious to truth and defiant against your own original intention for resolution and evolution. I love that for you. You you saw that. I just lit up. I mean, here it is. 
Events create actions, language, thoughts, feelings, reactions. And then we keep populating those with all of the sayings and the mottos and the influences of our ancestors. And then we call that the truth. Only it's not the truth. It's just your truth. And you can change that anytime you want to with one new thought, one new feeling, and one new action. That's, I love that. So for the people that are using the journal prompts, could you give them one journal prompt that they could say, go and, go and journal about this? Yeah, I'm actually going to go to money because it, it affects so much. Yeah. I want you to write down your thoughts, feelings, and actions around money. And then I want you to ask yourself, when did that begin for me? What was happening in my life at the time? And the way that I treat money, is this a way I would treat a valued friend? If not, what one new thought, feeling, and action can you take that begins a new friendship? Oh, that's lovely. I'm going to do that myself. Thank you, Judy. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. It's been such fun. 